Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. Turn to Romans 8. I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to go through some scriptures here real quick. Romans 8, verse 14. Amplified. Are we going to be able to put them up? Whosoever, Antonia, Elizabeth, whatever. Are we going to be able to do that? Romans 8, 14 is where Paul says, again, I'm starting right in the middle. But it says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Everybody say sons. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For the Spirit which you have now received is not a spirit of slavery to put you once more in bondage to fear. But you have received the Spirit of adoption, and I love this phrase in the Amplified, the Spirit that produces sonship. Listen. As I was praying about this during the week, it just popped into my spirit. The Lord said, the real gift. He said, one of the major ways you can define or describe what I've actually given you is sonship. Above anything else, I've given you sonship. You're no longer a slave. And all the scripture, all of the New Testament, that's what Galatians, Ephesians, all of it speaks to the fact that under the law, oh gosh, there's so much here. Remember that everybody, even before you knew Christ, it's just in the very atmosphere, you were bound to a sense of uh, right and wrong of doing stuff. You had to do this to be better. You had to do that to be better. It's a list of do's and don'ts. I mean, all of our life. We grew up with it. We're total school. Don't do that. Do this. Don't do that. Do this. Do this. Don't do that. And so we don't realize it, but it's been so deeply entrenched in our being, our soul, our sentient beings, that that's the, well, again, we've just been incredibly highly trained to live by do's and to live by don'ts. And God's word, Paul calls that slavery. He said you were bound to laws. You were bound to do this and do that. But he's trying to communicate. Again, I always think about Paul being the one that was caught up into heaven. And again, he was taught by direct revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus set this dude down and said, this is the way it is. This is what truth is. And the whole message is to get us to understand that the spirit we now have, if you're born again, it's be, if you're in this house, I'm assuming that that means you actually have you believe that Jesus Christ is real. If you're in this house today, I'm assuming that you believe in Jesus Christ. Well, the only way you can believe in Jesus Christ is through something we call faith, right? Faith. You have faith. We're children of faith now. We're children of the promise. We're not children of the natural. In fact, Paul says we're not children of the natural. We're children of the supernatural. We really are. Now, I am believing, actually, I've already jumped off the cliff. I believe 
like I've never understood in my life. I believe I'm a son of God. Hallelujah. Nothing or nobody is ever going to talk me out of it because I, everywhere I go in this truth, everywhere I go, it's suddenly you begin to see it just come together in one. It's just one actual message. You're, you've been totally forgiven. All your sin, all your transgression has been cast into a sea of forgetfulness. I will never hold iniquities against you anymore. And boy, you know, in your head, just whoa, 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 future. I will never hold iniquity against you again. And that's where you have to, boom, you have to put this thing in there. Remember, in God's thinking, his goodness, you actually believing that you're accepted in the beloved will turn you from sin and turn you toward him more emphatically. That's what he believes. But it's hell. It's the old me. It's the old nature, rather, that old law syndrome that instantly begins to speak in your hearing. The moment you hear that all of your iniquities are forgiven forever, instantly a voice will come to many of us that will say, that that can't be fully true. I mean... In other words, we begin to look for a reason for that truth to not be valid. We begin to look because we, because, you know, like again, we begin to think, this is why Paul said, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? We think at first that what's being said is that you can go and do anything you want to do. You can sin as much as you want to, and it makes no difference. That's this, Nothing could be further from the truth. But you have to see that turning your face completely toward his goodness is what actually empowers you. It, it, it's what destroys the attraction of sin. And you've got to understand that's the whole key to the gospel. His plan is to destroy the possibility of being attracted to darkness by showing you something so bright, so beautiful, so beyond scope and imagination that, you know, you would literally have to be insane to want to go the other direction. He actually believes he created us in his likeness and image. He actually believes that that part of you, that is him. His DNA, if you're born again, you're here. His DNA is in you or you wouldn't be here. I said, his DNA is in you. I don't care how stubborn you are. If you're in here, there's something in you. There's God's DNA is already in you. And like I said, hell's job is to suffocate it. He'll do it in any way he can. Lies, wrong teaching, whatever. And like I said, even at this year in particular, depression, oppression, what we don't have, what we can't give, what I can't buy. Oh, my God, my situation. And believe me, those things are very real. But you've heard me say this for several weeks now. You have to begin to receive and believe in the eternal life that you have. You have to lay hold on eternity. And again, remember, I'm going to just repeat myself in the last few weeks. Everything you're going through right now is just a moment. That moment may hurt like hell, but it's a moment. 
It's a moment. Just a moment. What is your life? It is but a vapor. You have eternity. Once you step, once you breathe your last breath and you step into that which is real, you do remember that any and all, any and all discomfort, pain, sorrow, tribulation, trial, it will, to say it won't exist isn't even right because it's beyond not existing. It's just, it's nothing. It's nothing. There's just nothing. And all of that, really, God, somehow, he wants us to accept that as truth now. Now. But this is why, again, he's made the way. He's made the way for this to be available. But the issue is he can't force, he won't force anybody to get in line with his ways of doing things. But nevertheless, it's here. Again, by just simply getting into this book, getting on your knees at times, and just learning to commune with him and talk with him. I'm telling you, like you've heard me, again, I'll repeat myself, this is the very breath of God. And every time you open it, begin to see it. That's what's happened to me. I see this breath just getting on me. And it's his breath. It's the breath of life. And more and more life is just beginning to cover me. And I tell you, where life is, death has to go. Death can't stand in the presence of eternal life. Do you hear me? Anyhow, let me hurry or else I'm at him. But verse 15, for the spirit which you have now received is not a spirit of slavery to put you once more in bondage to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, the spirit that produces sonship, in the bliss, now, I mean, like I said, what do you do with these words that are in Scripture? In the bliss of which we cry, Abba, you know, Dad. We, we go from Almighty God to Dad. In the bliss of which. See, Paul has experienced this. Paul has experienced this. And he's not upset about it. He's trying to communicate a bliss has come to me. I never even heard the word hardly at all until Bobby started saying it all the time. Every time she'd sign an email, she'd say bliss to you, whatever. So we were being blissed all the time instead of blessed. But bliss, this this atmosphere of eternal something joy. It's just, he said, in the bliss of which you've received, we, you and I have received the spirit of a dog. we we are now God's sons and daughters. You see, you've heard that most of your Christian life, but you still don't know it yet. I know you don't know it yet because of how you act. But you have received it. You're sons and daughters of God. Every one of you that are in this room that have, lift, have released faith, that you believe in Jesus, you are a son of God. I got to tell you something. Sons... Sons begin to act out, their, sons act like their dads. Do you hear me? Anybody in here that are parents, your kids begin to take after your, after you. Sometimes to our embarrassment on planet earth. But that, but listen, we, it's just natural. God, your kids will take after some of the aspects of their parents. See, God's your dad. And 
there are things that come up in you that you think are too good for you to think, but you have to understand it's just, it's that part of dad that lives in you that's coming up in you. He's, he wants you to begin to actually live like that 24-7. Uh, God's my dad. Like I said, this thing with me and the fact that I, I need a new vehicle and this, that, and the other. No, don't worry. I'm not dropping faith hints. I don't play that game. But like I said, I suddenly realized, you know, it's, you know, when I went into that dealership, I think I said at the time before, but it was just, it, it was new for me. So that's the only reason I'm saying it again. It was new for me because instead of going and looking at a price tag, it just it just had started to come alive to alive to me that uh, my dad's incredibly wealthy, and my dad absolutely adores me. I mean, he absolutely adores me, and I'm serious. He adores me, but see, he adores you. And I had, to, and like I said, it's, I can't, I'm sorry, I can't get away from it. He keeps telling me, you know, you're, you're my son. I delight in you. You live in my house. All I have is yours. You know, the parable of the prodigal. All I have is yours now. That older son, he said, anything you wanted, you could have asked. It's always been in your hand. It's always been there. But the problem is, we don't know that. We don't know what the truth is. In the bliss of which we cry out about, verse 16, the Spirit himself thus testifies or witnesses together with our own spirit, assuring us that we are now, present tense, children of God. And if we are his children, then we are his heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. We share his inheritance with him only we must share his suffering if we're to share his glory. But what of that? For I consider that the sufferings of this present time, this present life, are not worth being compared with the glory that is about to be revealed to us and in us and for us and conferred on us. Then Paul goes on to say this thing. It's kind of it's strange, isn't it? For even the whole creation, all nature, how many of you know the word says all of the all the earth and the fullness thereof are the Lord's. All, all the silver and the gold are God's. Is that right? All the cattle on a thousand hills are God's. Is that correct? All of it. You do know that God made gold. And we're never going to run out of it because God will just make some more if we need it. But see, that's, I'm not trying to be clever to get you to giggle. God can make more of anything. He's God. He's, he can do kind of what he wants. But again, see, the whole thing is, I'm, in uh, Galatians, well, no, in Isaiah 38, 17, I'm not going to turn to it. Well, actually, can you put up Isaiah 38, 17 just real quick? Hezekiah. You know, this, when I was finishing some, the Old Testament again, I think last week or, or 10 days ago, I came across this when Hezekiah cried out to God with this one thing. Can you get up there? Look at this. He said, Behold, it was for my peace that I had intense bitterness, but you have loved back my life from the pit of corruption and nothingness. Now, so it just hit me, and I couldn't get away from the word nothingness. And I thought about Somehow this morning came up in our thoughts about prison and when we were driving, I forget what it was, something came up that Julia mentioned or something, but 
And I had that moment just where I remembered again how, you know, when I was in prison and um, you know, didn't know God at all. And um, nothingness was something I felt like I understood because I felt like I have screwed up in every way you can screw up. I mean, nothing. Nothingness. Every single one of you before you came to Christ, whether you knew it or not, were in a great big pot of nothingness. Anything that you achieved outside of Christ was nothing. But this is what God does. He loves back your life from the pit of corruption and from nothingness. Hallelujah. That may not excite you, but it sure blessed me. He loved back my life from the pit of corruption and from nothingness. And you've cast, for you have cast all my sins behind your back. Now, this is 1,000, 1,800 years ago. And the thing that struck him is that God has just released him from his sin. And so he had this sense on him. I'm no longer there. I've been, I, see, I know, I, Rod no longer lives in a pit of corruption. Rod's no, long, no longer in a bowl of nothingness. In Christ, I'm in a bowl of everythingness. <laughs> you know what I mean? So anyhow, but all of Christ, verse 19, back to Romans 8, verse 19. Paul said, for even the whole creation. Now wait till she gets it up there. Romans 8, 19. For even the whole creation, now that's the earth, nature, minerals, oil, whatever, plants, trees, water. Even the whole creation, all nature is waiting expectantly and it's longing earnestly for God's sons to be made known. But see what it says then, this next phrase in the Amplified, it does this really good job in the Greek. Creation is waiting for the revealing, the disclosing of their sonship. Now, again, you study this out. It's not saying it's waiting for it to happen. It says, what it says is creation is waiting for you. A lot of stuff you need is right around you right now. Creation itself wants to be released into the possession and into the authority of God's sons. Verse 20, for the creation, the nature, nature itself was subjected to frailty, to futility and condemned to frustration, not because of some intentional fault on its part, but by the will of him who so subjected it. Yet with the hope that nature, creation itself, will be set free from its bondage to decay and corruption and gain an entrance into the glorious freedom. Say glorious freedom. Not just freedom, but see, this is how God's Spirit's trying to... It's not just a freedom we have. We have a glorious freedom in Christ Jesus. Now again, now, now turn to Galatians 3. And like I said, even as I... Sit here, I, I think to myself, you know, like myself, some of you aren't actually hearing it yet, and it's okay, but you will hear it if you stick with it. You are a son 
of God or a daughter of God. God, the creator, is your dad. In Galatians 3, verse 7, Paul says, Know and understand that it is really the people who live by faith. Now, like I said, if you're in here, that's you. Because you're in here because of Jesus Christ. No one understand that it is actually the, in reality, excuse me. No one understand that it is really the people who live by faith who are the true sons of Abraham. Verse 9. So then those who are people of faith, are you people of faith? Just play along with me anyhow. You know, use your imagination, all right? Hallelujah. So then those who are people of faith are what? And what's the next two words, three words? I can, okay, let me see your happy face. See, that's, that's the problem. <laughs> so then those who are people of faith are blessed and made happy. See, the revelation of what God's done in Christ will make you happy. So if you ain't happy, there's something funky in your spirit. You hear me? You do be a funky monkey. Something's got to change. For so then those who are people of faith are blessed and made happy and favored by God as partners in fellowship with the believing and the trusting Abraham. It's all about faith. and In other words, the fact that we simply believe. Verse 10, if I can read it, it says, And all who depend upon the law. Now when it says that, remember what I said earlier about do's and don'ts. If you still live under this issue of I've got to do better to be accepted. I have to stop doing this to be accepted because that makes sense. But God doesn't make sense. God makes happy through faith. Belief. He's not looking for you to do. He's not looking for you to not do. He's looking for you to believe. Jesus said, this is the work. This is the work that you believe. See, it's so simple, like I said, we complicate it so we can mess it up good. And all who depend on the law and do's and don'ts, who are seeking to be justified by obedience. Now, it says to the law of rituals, but any ritual, any do's and don'ts. See, if you're seeking to be justified by obedience, just see right there, mind-blowing in what it says there in, these, in Weist word studies. It's, you know, it's one of the best Greek sources there is. And... Anybody that's depending on justification coming by any kind of obedience to stuff, it says, are under a curse and they're doomed to disappointment and destruction. In other words, if you live, if you're still living by do's and don'ts, I have to do, I have to don't, I have to do, I have to don't. He says you're in an arena where you're going to consistently experience disappointment and destruction. He said, I've got to get you to a place where you actually believe I have set you free. Now, I said again, the moment you begin to hear this, you'll be tempted with the thing comes up. Well, that can't happen. But surely you have to do good. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. No. See, what happens when grace comes? Have you ever thought about 
you know, all the, all the Pauline epistles in particular, they all start out in the first two or three verses. Paul says, grace to you and peace to you from the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about that because he's speaking from God's vantage point. Listen, the first, try to catch this. The first words out of God's mouth, if he walked in here to you right now, he would say, grace to you. And think about it, the way he would welcome you. He wouldn't say, have you done everything I asked you to do? He wouldn't say, I want to talk to you about last Thursday night. No, you've got to catch this. When the Father meets you, he's just going to say, the first, his, who he is, you see, he's saying, unearned, undeserved, favor. You're about to meet favor. You're about to meet something you can't earn. Can't do. Here, favor. And then he says, and because you catch grace, he says, peace, freedom from all moral conflicts, and anything that would disturb under the sun be upon you. God. Amen, Sam. Out of the mouths of babes. Hallelujah. I'll take it. I'll take that. Thank you. Somebody give that boy a star. But don't miss what I'm saying. When God walks in, see, he's not going to look. He's not going to be. See, that we... Do you understand how church religion has painted God for centuries? This spiteful, this he's got a cricket bat in his hand. And you know, you mess up, I'm I'm telling you, you mess up, I'm gonna break your arm. I'm gonna get you in a car wreck to teach you something. I'm gonna bust you open. I'm gonna man, you know, I'm telling you, I'm gonna burn you in hell. But no, when you meet God, you're gonna meet grace. To you. Peace. Because that's who he is. He is love. And love is full of grace and full of peace. So anyhow, we don't want to live under a do's and don'ts. Now, I'm Joe right next door, because I really am going to try to shut up. Well, in Galatians, now let me read verse 20, chapter 3, verse 25. Let me read that. It's he's you know, I'm jumping all around, but I Verse 25 says, but now that faith has come, we're no longer under a trainer, the guardian of our childhood. Verse 26, for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. Sonship. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ, into a spiritual union and communion with Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah have put on, you've clothed, yourself with Christ, the anointed one. You've put on Christ. I said, if you've been baptized, if you've been born again, now remember, I'm talking about, this is, Paul's trying to tell you how heaven sees you. We're not talking about how you see you. Did you hear me? We're not talking about how you see you or how your friends see you or how your spouse sees you. God sees you clothed, clothed with the anointed one, Christ. 
There's now no distinction, neither Jew or Greek, neither slave nor free. There's not male or female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, if you're in him who is Abraham's seed, then you are Abraham's offspring and you are an heir according to the promise that God gave him. Hallelujah. Now, jump on. Let me just uh, shakalakalaka. Verse 1 of chapter 4. Now, what I mean is that as long as the inheritor, the heir, is a child and underage, a child doesn't differ from a slave, listen, although he's the master of all the estate. Now, try to catch this. Verse 2 says, but he's under guardians and administrators trustees until the date fixed by the father. Now that speaks to this Judeo tradition, the way things were done amongst wealthy families. A son, though he's the heir of a gigantic estate, now really listen to this bit. A son, though he's the heir of a gigantic estate, as long as he is a child, it says he differs nothing from a servant. Though he be Lord of all. Now, what's being said there? The next verse says, but he's under trainers or tutors until the, until the time appointed by his father. And that's where the whole concept of uh, um, uh, bar mitzvah and what have you comes about. When they see that the son is showing capacity of understanding what the estate's really all about, what this inheritance is, that's when, though it's, he's, see, he's never been able because he's in his thinking, he's still been a, a servant, I'm still here. But there comes a day, and today we're away from the law as a tutor, but today we're still under a tutor and his name is Holy Spirit. He's one that teaches and guides us. But you stay with him long enough and I guarantee you the Holy Ghost will do what the Holy Ghost job is. He will reveal to you your sonship, your daughterhood. He will reveal that to you. And suddenly, all that the estate possesses, you now have authority to deal with it, to work with it, to manage it, to prosper from it, because it's all in your hands now. Then he goes on, he says this, verse 3, So we Jewish Christians... Also, when we were minors, we were kept like slaves under the rules of the Hebrew ritual. And we were subject to elementary teachings of a system of external observations, regulations, do's and don'ts. Verse 4, but when the proper time had fully come, hallelujah, God sent his son, born of a woman, born subject to the regulations of the law, now, he did this for reason, verse 5, to purchase the freedom, to ransom, to redeem, to atone for those who were subject to the law, that we might be adopted and have sonship conferred upon us and be recognized as God's sons. And because you, re verse 6, and because you really are his sons, God has sent the Holy Spirit of his son into your heart, crying, Abba, Father. Verse 7, therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. Therefore you are no longer a slave, 
but a son. Therefore, you are no longer a slave. You're no longer a slave. I said you're no longer a slave. Now, I, I just, when I was looking at this, like I said, I want to keep it short, so everybody, hallelujah, Rod's actually going to stop. But I somehow or another, I got, I don't know what I looked at, but I got pushed over to one of Chris Gallatin's blogs. And uh, it was about identity, and he's talking about how everything goes back to identity. And he was talking about this very thing that, you know, we're sons and daughters of God. Now, just listen to me a couple more minutes. But when he said this, and it really struck me, he said, the thing is, guys, listen, God knows who you really are. Do you agree? God knows you're his son. You have his attributes. When you want to heal the sick, that's because that's God in you. That's because you're taking after your daddy. Did you hear me? When you want to help somebody out financially, that's because dad's in you. It's not you. God knows who you are. And then he said this, the devil knows who you are. The devil knows who you are. And he does not want you to wake up to your sonship. And you know who else knows who you are? Angels. Angels know who you are. They know who you are. They know that you're a son of God. But a lot of them are walking around doing this. They're looking at God's sons. And they're going, and you know what? who else knows you're sons of God? Romans 8, creation. Creation knows. Creation knows you're sons and daughters of God. Creation is waiting for you and I to wake up. It's saying, come on, wake up to who you are. I will jump out of bondage into the freedom of your knowledge if you'll let me. Think about that. I, skills, creativity, ideas, gold, silver. It's no big deal. Remember, like I said, it's it just stuffed. He could care less. God, he just wants you to know how loved you are. It's not about money. He said, I'll give you all the money in the world, but I want your love. You can have all the creativity there is. You can be the master songwriter of the world. I'll happily give you that. But what I need to know is, do you know that you're my son? Or you're my daughter? So just watch. God knows who you are. The devil knows who you are. Angels know who you are. Creation knows who you are. But you don't know who the heck you are. <laughs> you are no longer a slave. American Civil War history. I think I've shared this with you before. I wish I had the quote. I had it written down. But, you know, after slavery was abolished, the horrific, horrific sin of slavery, after slavery was abolished, at the end of the Civil War, through President Abraham Lincoln, 
though slaves were free, even in the North, but in the South, of course, it was much more horrible. But the whole, you, you know what I'm going to say already. Though they were pronounced free, though they were actually, in the ones I'm thinking of, they were given parcels of land. They were given seed to begin to farm with. In some cases, they were given cattle. They were given animals and stuff to begin to work with. They were free, but they didn't know how to be free. And a gigantic percentage, over 86% of them, went back to a position, quote-unquote, of slavery because they felt more comfortable there because they knew the rules there. But they were free. It takes some work to be free. I'm not going to lie to you. It takes some work to be free. One thing, you've got to stay in the document that says you're free. You've got to stay in the Emancipation Proclamation. You've got to stay in the middle of this. Mankind will try to put you back in slavery. The world still thinks do's and don'ts. What do you do? What don't you do? What do you do? What don't you do? The world grades you according to how you do and you don't do. God doesn't. God says, believe. All things are possible to them who believe. You are my son. You are my daughter. Listen to my spirit. His job is to produce the revelation of sonship in you so that you no longer will remain as a slave to do's and don'ts. Your sins are behind you. Your sins are gone. Past, present, and future. That's intended to draw you to him. Hallelujah. God's greatest gift, I think, is this, sonship. I am a son of God. I'm actually awesome. In Chris's thing, he has this whole, he has this little declaration he makes there. He has everybody stand up and say, I rock. <laughs> Cracks up, he's a little part of him. He goes, everybody say this, I rock. I'm amazing. I'm God's best creation. I'm a miracle going someplace to happen. I am incredible. I've been made all glorious. I'm blessed. I'm something else. I'm adored by God. I rock. Turn to somebody and say, I rock. <laughs> well, you do. You all rock. Merry Christmas to you. God bless you. You're a son and daughter of God. Let's now begin to enjoy some fellowship one with another. Amen. God bless. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 